Welcome everybody to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. My name's Sarah and I will be your host. This podcast is dedicated to raising awareness for mental health whilst helping to end the stigma. It is my intention with this podcast to motivate, educate and inspire you on your very own journey to become the best versions of yourself. Welcome back everybody to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. As always, my name is Sarah and I will be your host. Today we are hearing from a remarkable woman, a very strong lady indeed, and that is Martina Benkova. Martina is going to be sharing with us her story with alcoholism and spending time in rehab. She's going to share why she became addicted to alcohol, how she nearly died from alcohol, and how Martina has managed to never drink a drop again. Martina is incredible. Um, she's so brave for coming and sharing this story with us. She shares this story in a, in a bid to help people who may be going through the same thing. Let's do this. Welcome, Martina, to the show. How are you today? Oh, hi, Sarah. Nice to hear from you and actually see you. I'm uh, pretty good, to be honest. Excellent, excellent. It's such a pleasure to have you here and to share your story with us. So, Martina, tell us, what is your story with addiction? What were you addicted to? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a long one. I'm uh, 16 years um, clean from alcohol. Wow. In 2005, I ended in rehab for alcohol problems, and I was age 20, 22, 23. Wow. The time, I know, unbelievable. It's, uh, it's to think back at it, it's unbelievable that uh, 16 years now, and I'm so still sober. And I mean, by the sober, zero tolerance. I uh, never drank ever since. Really? And when I no, uh, where I'm from, I'm from Slovakia, and for the alcoholics, the the tolerance is zero, because once you will have one, sooner or later you will end up and worse where have you been before. I know there will be a people with arguments, but when I was at rehab and I was there for quite a while, because uh, of my age. We had so many lectures, so many people uh, who we seen who've been after the rehab and they've been after the rehab for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and some of them uh, relapsed and they relapsed after 15 years and every single one said it's always started with that one. And because maybe because I've seen all of that, it's uh, inherited in my brain. It's uh, once you will have one, it's that it's. Yeah. Sooner or later, you will end up, and because of my conditions, it can be fatal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my choice, and that's how I would like to die one day, to, to be in a pure sober. And yeah. that's what I promised to myself. Amazing. And uh, it all started with, with honesty, to looking at it back, and to learn everything what I learned over the years. Just a small kid or teenager who wanted to be a part of someone and 
because everybody else drank, I drank with them. There was nothing wrong with them. And I had the problems. And then from the smaller problems become a bigger problem where I actually have days when we, we drank every day. So, uh, and then the last day, because I don't remember the last day, it was the Wednesday, and I said to my friend, oh, just don't drink today, just have one day with no alcohol, because I work in the bar, and the, me and the, the chef who works with me, it was the, every single day, it started with the, like, vodka and some beer. And that day, I said, oh, just don't drink today, just one day, just stay sober, because, well, I knew I had problem that time. Yeah. And uh, we managed till 10 o'clock, yeah, we was working all day, close the bar, uh, and, well, and the shop. And then uh, he dropped me at home, well, outside my flat. And across the road, there was a, there was a bar. And he said, oh, just go for a, just go for a chat, for a beer, yeah, after, after work. So what I remember was uh, three small beers and six shots. And I never remember anything else. Yeah. And I woke up following day in uh, ITU about 10 years, 11. I don't remember, honestly. Yeah. And uh, didn't know what happened. Didn't know where I was. I absolutely had a blind passive window. And uh, the few things I do remember there, what I seen, and uh, when everything started coming back to my head, then because of the state where they found me, yeah. I've been transferred to the, to the high dependency mental ward because they assumed I wanted to kill myself with alcohol and overdose. Uh, I didn't spoke for uh, over a day or a day or a half. Can't remember. So they didn't really know I knew what happened. I've been so still treated like a suicidal person. And where I'm from, the suicide, obviously, if you're trying to commit a suicide, so it's not something right with your head, yeah? Yeah. So you are put in a place where you should be, mental. Mm -hmm. With no offense to anyone, but this is how uh, our health system works. Yeah. And uh, so, but when I started talking, yeah? And when I had a chat with the psychotherapist there, the doctor consultant, and he asked me, I remember that, because he <laughs> said, why you want to kill yourself? And I said, no, I didn't want to kill myself. <laughs> uh, but because of pure, purely, I didn't want to kill myself, we just went out for a few drinks. Yeah. And he said to me, what happened? And I said, well, I don't know. And then he started saying, well, you had a heart failure. What? Your heart stopped two, three times. You ended up in uh, intensive care, high dependency. Uh, you've been on all the machines because obviously it was a 50 50, you either come back or not. What? And uh, seven or eight hours I was in coma, can't remember. I have a second degree frostbite on hands and feet. Goodness. And someone found me on the street outside my flat. It was honestly across the road. Yeah. And the person called police because of this found the casualty. Yeah. And with the police automatically came to ambulance and because the hospital was so close there, so they managed to save me. Yeah, and uh, 
I know. I know. So by that point, when he started saying all this, no one knew. My mom didn't know. My friends who I live with, she didn't know where I am, what happened. Honestly, I was no phone, no personal belongings, nothing. Oh, That's how I woke up, just in the gown. Yeah. And because I was on that mental ward, and after a day and a half, uh, starting walking, I seen myself in the mirror. There was uh, not a mirror, it was a window because there was nothing, no pictures, no mirrors, nothing. Because obviously, for the uh, adult, uh, other mental health ill people. Yeah. And uh, uh, I sat there on the window, like on, on the window shelf, and uh, someone's mother, some of the patients, mom came and I cried my eyes and she said, if I'm okay, and I said, uh, well, no, I don't know what happened. And she said, do you, remember, do you know, Eliza, I don't have any phone, no one knows where I am. So I did remember that time, my friend's number, so they rang her. And she came later, she brought me some personal clothes and then she contacted my parents. So my parents contacted the hospital and then two weeks after they came to pick me pick me up. But uh, after two and a half days or two days on the high dependency unit, I've been transferred to the to normal one. Mm. Still still mental, yeah, but to the because it's divided by four stages, I think so. So I've been on the mild one where we've been obviously treated, and uh, and uh, then uh, when I was leaving, when my mom and dad came to pick me up, you uh, leaving with the obvious referral letter was the next stage of the recovery. That time I've been overly classified as alcoholic by the conversation with the consultant. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a real diagnosis because I met the people in them. Nearly two weeks, so I was in, I'll be independent on, on drugs and al yeah, drugs, alcohol, uh, game machine because that's addiction as well. Yeah. Uh, anorexia, bulimia, I've seen it all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and from there we went home, and it was a space of very few days. I went straight away to the rehab center, it was not far from where I live, yeah. the city. My brother took me there. And I was there for a few, nearly two months. Wow. Yeah. Good. Interesting. Was it? Uh, yeah, yes, of course. Uh, I was quite young. I knew I had a problem. I knew I, I needed to get better. Otherwise, there's not really any. I felt so lost. Yeah. And uh, because in the rehab center, the way how it's, uh, how it's rehab, whole the process done to help people, I don't know, to get back to normality, to live. Because that stage, I couldn't, re uh, couldn't imagine myself, I don't know, having a summer festival with all my mates without having a beer or some alcohol or something to celebrate. My culture is the choir. How to say it and be stay quite nice. It's uh, they use alcohol as a form of I don't know communications or something. You are going to visit someone in England, you will get a brew and a biscuit. Yeah. Where I'm from, you will get a 
Yeah, it's a bit of a or something. Obviously, you will get that brew and whiskey as well. <laughs> but alcohol is a big thing in my culture. Yes. And uh, which one, I don't blame anyone. But I remember the doctor said to me, I should never ever drunk, even before, as my body doesn't break the alcohol down very well. So mm-hmm. it's been quite poisonous for me. Which I knew this day, but if I wouldn't, then the story will be completely different. And I'm pretty quite grateful for everything that happened, as uh, it's sharp me and shaped me for the position where I am now. Yeah. To have a huge understanding for anyone who is dependent on any, on anything, and we're talking a food as well, because I went through the stages of anorexia and bulimia. That that's for another uh, on another call than this. So yeah, me being 40 this year, and I'm clean since 2015. No, 2005. Lying, sorry. Yeah, since 2005. That's pretty good going. Yeah, definitely. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So did anything, was like, you know, was there a trigger for why you drank? Or was it, like like you said, just to fit in and and be around friends? Uh, I I would say so. It was, uh, at the beginning, it was everybody else around me drank. And I guess, yeah. And from that, you just slipped into it. I don't even know how. Right. And uh, and because when when we went out, I never uh, I never had I don't know a self esteem to say oh sorry I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all been linked. Knowing all the all obviously therapies and study why I don't know over the years, it was all down to the self esteem, really? and to be actually really powerful to be able to say no I don't want. Because many times I didn't want it, but I felt quite weak and, oh, yeah, well, carry on, yeah, just one. And then from one, I didn't even know how I ended up with the black windows. Don't remember anything. And uh, lots of people don't understand the don't understand the dependency of uh, if someone say no, that means no. Yeah. Sometimes people say, oh, come on, don't be like, ah, oh, just have one. And I said, no. And, well, now. To knowing all what I know, well, I will say very easy, go and kick your ass and drink by yourself. Yes. <laughs> but at that time, because you are quite vulnerable person, is uh, I don't know. The people who drank with me, there was nothing wrong with them, and they probably drank the same as me, even more. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but it is, especially with what you were saying about your culture, you're saying that, you know, you go round and you have a shot and then a brew and a biscuit. But I suppose if it's part of your culture, that must be even harder to stay away from. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a big thing, because wherever we go all the time, it will be. My father drinks. Yeah, my, my dad can never say no to alcohol. <laughs> yeah, my brother is alcoholic. Exactly. Full stop. Shame to say, I know he will say it's not true, but yeah, he can't say no either. My partner is completely different. When he says no, he's no. When he doesn't want, he doesn't want. Yeah. And it's the same culture as well. Really? So, yeah, it's uh, it's probably how the fuck I will be alcoholic. (laughs) Yeah, my goodness. But you said... It's a joke. 
<laughs> you said earlier on that there was zero tolerance in your yeah. country. Is that for alcoholics then, or what? What is that? Alcoholics. Right. Yeah, alcoholics. So, cause when I was um, once if you have one, it's a classified relapse. We're here because I went for some meetings, and uh, when we had a meeting, so. It's been, I don't say it's been good, but different than where I'm from. Because when I, because I was visiting these alcoholics meet, well, all anonymous alcoholics meetings every week, even when I finished my rehab. But this time I was on another side, yeah, to speak with the people who are in rehab, to give them some support, how we are surviving and, you know, daily basis and how we are trying to engage into the society well. But the... Uh, once you had one drink, it's classified as relapse. We're here. When I went on a meeting and someone had a drink there, and they, they said to them, It's fine, next time you'll be better. Right. You with me? What I mean? Yes, yeah, yeah. My goodness. The tolerance is different. Yeah. If you had one drink, that was it. You were, you were relapsing. There was no. Well, in my head, it is like, uh, Yeah, once I will have one, that's it. You can't have any. Yeah. Zero. No. Isn't that hard? No. No. After 16 years, no. No. First what? year was the hardest. First year. Yeah, because you have first party, first summer, first Christmas, first New Year's Eve, first birthdays, first something. But after that, you you know you can do it without. That's it. Really? That's how I see it. Yeah. yeah. And I was young that time. But it's been... Uh, I just remember how hard it took me to get over that first year i wouldn't ruin it with one drink no chance i wouldn't do it wouldn't do it to my mom and dad i wouldn't do it to myself yeah because i had some promises to myself um, so no and now i love going out well i always did i'm so person i like going out we like parties we we are going to big events and i'm pretty Good, just go there with the water because <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't really like uh fizzy drink. Well, pop pops, yeah, sure. Well, flavored drinks either. I like water. I was going to ask you then, like, how when you when your mom and dad came to pick you up from that hospital, how had all of this affected them? What was their reaction? You know what. <laughs> I can't imagine what they have to go through because they nearly lost me. Mm -hmm. And what everything have to go through in their head, maybe blame for what they have done wrong, mm -hmm. obviously, to their child to get to the state where they found me. Yeah. So as a parent, you must ask a million questions what you have done wrong. And maybe you haven't done wrong anything. It was uh, sometimes in a life you need to face the situations where you you can't help the person if they need to face the truth and help themselves. Yeah. Because I'm from the loving, caring family, honestly, and it's the other aspect. But we all have some issues. If the situation obviously would be different as when I've been growing up, maybe more understanding of maybe 
mental health side, the things could turn out different. But on another side, I'm a big believer, everything's happened for a reason. And if I wouldn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't be here where I am, where I am now. We wouldn't have this chat. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to give so much support to other people. Yeah. So I, I see it as a huge gift. Yeah. Because I made it. I'm here. I uh, I always celebrate now 22nd of February as my second birthday. Really? Yeah. Something happened that night. The life just... Because uh, when you are almost on the nearly death line, you will think so in your mind. Recap. Re-evaluate everything. Yeah. And ever since that, the things change the values. Yeah. Massively. So, and loads of people wouldn't, don't, loads of people don't understand, but I don't have a sign on my forehead Well, I'm after, yeah, I'm after recovery, I'm alcoholic. I actually went in coma as well. I've not been born seven times, but it's something who I know, few of my very close friends knows. Your friends group after rehab will definitely sharpen, yeah. a decrease in size. First, few years you won't be invited some occasions because you are not really social in their minds because loads of people don't know how to react yeah but it's all fine I have loving caring family and really good friends and friends who stayed with me through all that wow. and it's just nice yeah I'm quite grateful for what happened it's so it's so crazy to say it, isn't it, that you're grateful for it? But you know, it's true, isn't it? Like these things happen for a reason, and it's on us to to change from it. Yeah, and the rehab been fantastic. I didn't like exercise before. Yeah, we have to exercise every single day. The cold, <laughs> the sun, the rain, the snow. You had to exercise there outside in the freeze. Wow. And uh, yeah. It was the first time when I started to do guided meditations, art therapy, musical therapy, and all these therapies just came into my life. I've been introduced to all that, and that was just a starting point of me become the therapist as I'm now. Yeah. So, yeah, I found it really fantastic that the fact what I went through brought me where I am now. Wow. And do you think if maybe you didn't have those underlying problems that where your body can't break down the alcohol, do you think that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have had those underlying issues? Uh, I think so. It's uh, the self-esteem as well. Right. The fact to say no. Right. Because if I would be able to say no, one or two, one or two drinks wouldn't kill me. Right. at the beginning but because i i could never really said no like at that time and i thought so well if i will say yeah if i will be drinking with them it'll be fine yeah yeah then uh i didn't need it to get to the point because uh, when i was leaving rehab my liver wasn't as good and there was other things but obviously that there is a repairable organ so i'm in really best physical health yeah but that time wasn't the same i see mm. self-esteem is loads 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 to do with the self-esteem self-esteem self-belief and just be strong-minded person 
Yeah. Just you allow to say no. You don't need to do things if you don't want. Yeah. So you said that you grew up in a loving family. So where did the self-esteem issues come from? Myself. Yourself. Myself. Because my mum and dad gave us the best love they could. Yeah. It was myself. Definitely myself. Because, uh, oh, I've been analysing myself a million times. And obviously, having been in rehab, you have all these... Uh, psychotherapists and sessions and one-to-ones and group sessions and sessions after myself and if I'm going back in a back in a road when all this started it could be actually started from the time when I was a one year old one year and few months mm-hmm. because my mom and dad being pregnant with the twins and uh because she was pregnant with the twins, she ended up in hospital for longer. Right. So uh, I couldn't see her because that time children wasn't allowed in hospitals and on like quite often as here and it's not as free there as it's here. Yeah. And she was there locked in the hospital for for a few weeks. I think so. That was either in the army or he was in a university. Either of it. So I grew up with my grandma and granddad. We live with them. So we live on the same land, two houses. Yeah. So I was with her granddad and grandma. And mum said to me when she came back from hospital with the twins, uh, that baby bond wasn't exactly the same and probably never ever been because in the child's head, as much something broke, as obviously baby missing a mom, and she missing a mom first night, second, third. She has a loving, caring grandparents, but that mother thing, that mother person is not there. And when she came back, and she came back with them two another ch- children, I think so. My jealousy started there, as uh, I seen them too, as they took my mommy away. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's it is funny now when I when I look at it. <laughs> and when I've been analyzing this with the other people, but that how much damage that few weeks without the mother can cause to the kid. So I had really good close relationship with my grandparents, really close. My granddad was like a little hero for me, and I spent there loads uh, sometimes the dinners because we we just live on the same land. Yeah. And uh, when my grandparent granddad died. And I was teenager, 14, for me, like, the world just been ruined completely. And that's where it's all really kicked in, with him dying. Really? Really. Because uh, that was drinking, that, that was the that's father's issue, yeah, a little bit. Again, down to the self-esteem, and they couldn't say no, with the friends been calling him, come and have a drink. But we've never been affected, I don't know. I still call our family loving care because it is. Yeah. Because he couldn't say no, that's obviously he has some issue from his childhood, not others, but they gave us love and care. My, if my mom would know what is happening in my mind when I was that age, she would never, but she would even have a clue. Because we obviously, we now we had an open child and we chatted about everything. Yeah. And uh, 
she said she never ever even noticed anything. So it was in my mind. My, yeah, my mind. The mind is the most powerful tool of the all. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> Definitely. That it's crazy though that like you you remember that and it's like you know your mum wasn't there so you didn't understand as a child why she wasn't there and even if somebody explained it to you you wouldn't have got it no still missing your mum and then mum comes back with these two of the babies and you're like so that's where you've been you know who you are and who knew that that could start self-esteem issues from you can and yes I have friends who are doing the craniosacrotherapy and other therapies, and it's been linked with the, if the child is going through the some trauma through the childhood, it can leave the impact on the growing stage. But obviously, I'm not a psychologist, neither a psychotherapist. Yeah. So this is just my pure experience of my life and reading, I don't know, books and listening to other people, podcasts and stories. Yeah. So, yes. And if I'm going back in the memory, I remember when I was a teenager in a school, high school, and we had a drawing session like art classes. Mm-hmm. My teacher always told me, oh, my art is so depressive. But no one never, ever, like, asked why. Yeah. No one never questions my thoughts. And I've been writing poems. My poems been really, uh, they've been that depressive. Yeah, and so through the art and, and writing, I was ex- expressing myself. But no one really asked anything mental side, like emotional side. Yeah. Where now, because we know so much, we know is uh, once you see some picture, you will start asking like, oh, why are you why are you drawing that? Why children? But that time, no one, and I know in my in my memory, I was uh, quite depressed, pessimist. I didn't really see any bright sides. Yeah. And uh, my mom always said, that obviously, she she was that supportive, bless her, but she just this was missing, or I was hiding myself really well. Mm-hmm. Age 14, I definitely was in a state when I didn't even want to be on this planet because my granddad died. Yeah. I felt completely broken inside. Completely. Yeah. I was really good in school, so no one really wouldn't even see because that's just a task to do. Yeah. So you just covered it up and got on with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I've never been... Uh, Really good in relationships as well, like not really. Okay. It was uh, maybe I was uh, seen in, I don't know, man to make me happy. Till, uh, till I realized, well, I don't need anyone to be happy once you are happy with yourself. That's it. And are you happy with yourself now? Yo, yeah, gosh, yes, geez. Yeah. You must be so proud of yourself how far you've come. You know what, after so many years, many times I forget actually how far I came. Yeah. And it's so true, because sometimes my friends say, Martin, I come on, stop and look. And it's true, but very, very often, Sarah, I will forget everything I went through for such a young person. Yeah. 
definitely. Oh my uh, God. It's good. Yeah. It's good that you can look back and be grateful for it. I know it was terrible, oh, yeah. but it's changed your life for the better. And you know what? Over the years, I met so many people who, whose life stories are not even half, are just so so heartbreaking and so sad and they still have a laugh and they still are going forward and they can see me. I know it's painful, but just to see the positivity that you are here because you made it is the, probably the best ever gift. Yeah. And there's so many people who don't appreciate the life. Yes, that's because true. It's so true. And ever since that, I always tell myself, tomorrow may never come again, and you need to live like that. Yes, live for today. <laughs> plan it, obviously, plan your future. You're not uh, dying and killing yourself tomorrow. Yeah. But to, to live fully, be grateful for every day. Yeah, definitely. And then apply for everything, the love, the business, the daily life, daily based life. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You're going to be an inspiration to people because you've actually beaten it. You, you know, you've actually come through the other side and here mm. you are helping other people. It's fantastic. And I would like to do more of, uh, of work related with, that, with this. I was a young child who just wanted to be a part somewhere who couldn't see how powerful the person is. Yeah. And you never need to be part of anyone. You just need to be, be you. And once you have yourself, believe yourself and uh, be happy for who you are, the, everything will come to you because of law of attractions. Yes. But once you are self-sending out negativity, well, what else? So my last question to you, Martina, is, is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners, especially for somebody who may be going through exactly what you went through? What would you like to say to them? Just uh, stay positive, be grateful for every day, believe you can do it, and don't let anyone never to stop you. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, pleasure. It's been pretty emotional. I bet, yeah. It's, it could be hard. I, I see you filling up. <laughs> it could be hard to share these things, but just know that by you sharing your story, you're helping other people to fight their demons too. Lovely. It's, <laughs> been, it's been a really good experience, honestly. If you will ever have another one, yeah, come with me. Definitely, definitely. We'd love to have you back. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, well, but thank you so much for your time, Martina. Take care and we'll hear from you soon. Oh, thank you very much, Sarah. And uh, I look forward. It's been a pure pleasure. Wow. So there you have it, boys and girls. What an incredible story that was. I just, I find it really amazing how you know over in Slovakia is actually part of their culture to drink and the hard line that they take against it it's crazy isn't it it's crazy but I hope you enjoyed the show and you gained a little something from that and thank you so much Martina for sharing that with us and um, that's just remarkable uh, but join me in um, two weeks time 12th of March where we'll be hearing from 
an amazing guy called Aiden, and he's going to be sharing his story with us on self-harm. So another trigger warning going out just there. Um, self-harm can be quite a scary subject for some, especially those who may be experiencing it. Um, I have no personal experience of self-harm, so this is going to be a massive eye-opener for me too. So I hope you'll join me for that. But until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you all again in two weeks. Bye for now. You've been listening to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. My name's Sarah, and I've been your host. This podcast is dedicated to raising awareness for mental health whilst helping to end the stigma. Thank you.